Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. So glad you've joined us today for another conversation on leadership. This is the Larry Kreider Leadership Podcast. And today I have the privilege to be with my friend for many years, Tony Fitzgerald from, man, everywhere, Australia, England, <laughs> United States, South Africa, whatever. So it's so good to have you with me. Thanks, Larry. Uh, it's just great <laughs> well, to be with you. So where are you now? You're in Richmond, Virginia now, Richmond, right? Virginia. Now, you started out in this place called Tasmania, right? Yeah, that's really the kind of center of the universe. If you, <laughs> I, We joke about that, but there is, on one coast in Tasmania is the place where they measure the clearest air, I think, not really? water, in the world. That's the, that's in a, Tasmania? In Tasmania, the and most pure. part of Australia, right? It's a, a state of Australia, okay, yeah, an so, island state. Okay, so you grew up in Australia. We're going to talk about leadership today. I mean, you've yeah. been involved in all kinds of leadership. You mentor leaders, business leaders, you know, you know, kingdom, yeah. church leaders, all kinds of leaders. We're going to talk about that, but let's talk about where you started. Tasmania, what was that like? Uh, how many years were you there? Talk to me about your life in Tasmania. Well, Tasmania is a great island. It's an island state of Australia. I only realize now, looking back, what a great place it was to be raised. But a, a beautiful place, um, lovely coastline, bays, mountains. Yeah. You know, just, it's great. Population then, I guess, of maybe half a million people okay. over the island. Mm -hmm. I was in the second biggest city, about 80,000. And, um, yeah, I was born and raised there. And, um Marilyn, my wife, immigrated there with her family when Marilyn was only seven years old. And immigrated from where? From Great Britain, from oh, England. And I was in uh, the Salvation Army, which Americans hey. don't know a lot about, of course. But right. back then, in the evangelical situation, our church sponsored them to come out wow. uh, to immigrate. And then you could immigrate to Australia for only uh, 10 English pounds, about 15 wow. U.S. dollars then and the government's paid the rest as long as you stay two years and okay. work it's different now you can't get in the place now Harvey so she arrived seven years old I met her when I was 10 grew up in church together started going steady with her when she was 14 and I was 17 oh, we oh got married my. when she was just 20 that's amazing three months later went into what you've we, known her most of your life yes I've only known 10 years of my life without her and now we've been <laughs> married 50 years so that is fantastic yeah. well, again we're going to dig into leadership in just a moment let's get a little more background so when did you leave Tasmania the two of you we left Tasmania three months after we got married and we got married on the first day of uh, New Year's Day, 1970. Okay. So we often joke and say we lived the 60s and we came to the 70s and <laughs> we got married and into the new. And that was to go to the Salvation Army Training College to train for ministry. And where was that? In Melbourne, Australia. Oh, okay. So that's Melbourne's is Victoria, sure. one of the biggest sure. states. And that's the first city when you go across from right. Tasmania to right. the mainland. So we lived there for two years in training and then went to the country as, to pastor a church or with the Salvation with Army. With the Salvation Army. What? Had a little bit of a, got baptized in the spirit during that time uh -huh. in college. Had a, weren't supposed to, but we did. And uh, <laughs> had a bit of a, a little mini revival in this country town. Um, and yeah, 
and then eventually went down to the city of Melbourne to work with drug addicts, street okay. people, that. And that's where we sort of started to carve out our life in ministry. And all that happened in a short period of time. 74, went for a trip to England. And then 75, moved back there with Marilyn and a team with uh, two kids in our arms and $200 to our name. Wow. And the rest is history. Wow. So what did you do in England? Why did you go to England? Um, well, we'd gone, I'd gone in 74 uh, for a time. And, sure. And we'd had a whole move of God up in the Midlands in the Nottingham okay. area. And in that time, felt called to go back. And uh, in that time, without going into a long story, we went back to Australia because the organization, we weren't in the Salvation Army then, the organization had agreed for us to go back and plant. But in that time, that short period of time, I'd say this carefully, but they'd gone into a deceptive situation where they became very anti um evangelism, everything, okay, sure. and that ended up with our ways parting ways, and um, rather sadly and rather brutally in many ways, because mm-hmm. uh, we believed evangelism was a part of life. Sure, They came into a belief that evangelism wasn't therapeutic for a person or anything like that. All out of one verse in the Song of Solomon. Really? Of the garden enclosed. 99% of that message I believe today, but the 1%... Uh, Cause and it was really the church just needs to be locked in the walls, and the f- uh, flavor it would go out over the walls and draw people in. You know, I've known you for many years, and I never knew that story in your life. That really, that's very something. intriguing. So you stayed in England then after you left that. You we left that ministry? yes, we came back. Um, they wanted me to stay. We came back, and then that's when it all gone wrong, because we had to sell up. Uh, sure. We didn't have much to sell up in those days, but and then to move and some other an Anglican vicar. Um, took us under his wings because we didn't know, if, are we in rebellion? Are we? Sure. It's the days of the discipleship movement, yeah, it, sure. you know, control and that. And uh, it was a wonderful Anglican vicar that had a real healing ministry that walked us through Beautiful. that time in Australia and uh, eventually blessed us along with some others and released us over to England. Wow. So as you look <clears> back <throat> in that season of your life, you're talking to a young person, they're struggling with their current situation they feel like there's maybe control issues or there's just something going on that doesn't seem right what advice do you have for them what leadership principle did you learn during that season of your life as you look back now yeah uh, i think number one was um to seek counsel and don't assume that you were right okay because okay that's good i felt i was right sure you know on that issue um, because the person who was leading it actually got saved through billy graham wow and i asked her the leadership time then if you do not believe evangelism is right all the way, you got saved through Billy Graham and his assistant said to me, well, because God used second best methods once, he wouldn't have to use them again. And um, that person, I would not ever say name because that person has passed away now, you know, and I... He eventually was in another country. I went there to be reconciled and forgive him and all that kind of thing. So on a Greyhound bus across America. So I I worked all that through, you know. Well, it's amazing as you look back. I mean, that could have stopped you on really serving God. It could have stopped you and all the things God has done through you in all these years since that. I mean, had you not approached that properly and gone and seen the vicar, trusted somebody, because you weren't sure yourself whether it's right or wrong. But that is key, finding a few people we can trust to help us walk through things and make sure we're not being deceived ourselves. Yes. And when we eventually then got to England, 
I went up into the Midlands of England and was just staying in a place with friends that we knew that we went to. And there was a conference went on there at a drug rehabilitation place. Sure. And I knew the man who led that because he'd visited us in, in Australia. And we went there and here the conference, I didn't know where I was really, but I was just helping him administratively. And a girl that was on the team with us the night before the conference started said, uh, well, I just knew that I was going to meet someone at that conference that had the answer for my life. And she came to me the next day as we went to the conference, said I had a dream last night and I saw this man. And as we walked into the tent, yes, she came running down the aisle and said, that's the man I saw in the dream and he was the guest speaker at this conference. Really? So I went to him, said what had happened, and he knew a bit of the, sure. not me, but the background in Australia, right. because, and this was a mission organization. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to him and told him the story, and I said, look, I need you to be totally honest with me. I don't know if I'm still saved, whether I've just rebelled, wow. whether I'm in deception, or whether in a funny kind of way we're hearing God's will. Yeah. And I said, will you pray for me and believe? He said, I'll go back this afternoon. He said, I'll call some intercessors around the world and get them to pray. So he came uh, back that night, I think it was, and said, can I talk to you? And I said, yes. He said, um, I've had feedback from intercessors. The word's the same everywhere. You're in the middle of God's will. They were in error where you come out of. And it's been proven since that whole work came to naught. Sure, sure. But, um, but you know, that, I wasn't judging that in any way. And he said, there's a man I need you to, to meet. And he's flying out of London tomorrow, and he wants to meet you at the airport. So he went to the leaders of the conference. He was the guest speaker. had one more session to go and said, could I be released from that last session, although I'm the speaker? I believe... Tony's rescue is at hand. I need to get him to Heathrow. Wow. And the guy said, we only want the best for Tony. You go. We'll cover your session. That's amazing. And I went, met a man that then God joined my heart with for the next four years while I was rebuilt. Yes. I, nothing wrong with me saying this, but on the youth of the mission base yeah. in England. Sure. That's and uh, we became very close friends. This was way back, still in the 70s. And out of there, we, planned, uh, we went to do a two-week outreach in Wales. And... Uh, he sent us, I was talking to him just the other day again in some correspondence, and he said, we sent you because you had a whole team with you and they had asked for a team. Right. And this was on the tip of Wales that had missed the Welsh revival, had missed every revival that ever happened, had missed the charismatic revival. Really? And they sent a, a return missionary from India to come to YWAM and say, will you send us a team and bring the spirit? So the leader there, Lynn, he said, Tony, you've got a team, we'll send you. So we went for two weeks, ended up staying two years and saw a revival. And out of that, what yeah. became Church of the Nations got birthed. And that church in Wales is one of our real little cutting-edge churches in that's Wales amazing. today. So that's how Church of the Nations, of course, you've worked with a team for years overseeing the whole movement. Yeah. That's how that started, from we were, that one We went back from, back from there and within two years on, on the base in England, we started the first work. On the, on, the, on the base. Right. Um, and then, you know, just because of where, not, nothing wrong or anything, just where philosophy of ministry right. and where we were at at the time and where they were, um, you know, we 
went different ways, although sure. we have many friends there. Sure. Now, yeah. as you look, I want to get into more, and you went to South Africa, lots of other places. But before we do that, as you look back in this season of your life, and it was in England, Wales. Yeah. Right. It, 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 this, but this move of God was in was in Happened in the high school. Okay. Now, as you look back in that, what did you learn about leadership as you think about it? Well, I... Or was there anything that happened that was really important that you look back and think, praise God we did that, or something you maybe didn't do right, you think, yeah. I would encourage somebody else not to do that. Yeah, I think because I was still coming out of being rebuilt myself. Sure. And this was a time of really getting confidence back. Right. Um, I, I think the one of the biggest things I learned from day one was team. You've got to have team. Yeah, I thought you'd say you that. You know, and we've always lived by team. Yes, Early days, even through church planning, yes. we'd have such plurality of eldership, sometimes we wouldn't even have a leader amongst them, you <laughs> yeah. know. But so, and that caused problems. Yeah, it caused problems right? in yeah. itself. But so given to the sure. principle of plurality of eldership, of team, uh, delegation, really sharing life. And it wasn't long through that that I really began to understand the Father, heart of God, then the whole principle of raising yes. spiritual sons and that, okay. you know. So yeah. the first principle was team, of course, came from Jesus with his demon. Yeah. Paul the Apostle with his demon, on and on. And, uh, and then you say you started to learn the whole concept of being spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, and that, that whole concept. Yeah. Anything more on that that you learned during that season? Yeah, well, we had a, always had a great heart for young people. Okay. So I got invited to go to this girls' grammar school in Wyhealth to share just in a classroom. Yeah. And I went, and the Holy Spirit fell, and a group of 14 or 15, 16-year-olds got touched by God. So then we opened up a little coffee bar down on the front. They'd come after school, bring in their friends, and they'd all get baptized in the Spirit in that. And just about two years back with COVID, I've got to think, but maybe three years sure. back, we had a reunion with some of those girls That's amazing. in Wales. They came to Wales, and we all went out and had morning or afternoon tea together, and it was that very moving, isn't, isn't which was really fun. the first people after what I'd gone through that we'd led to the Lord. That is yeah. amazing. So <laughs> you've learned, obviously, teamwork, uh, and, and you've learned that something I hear you saying is that you didn't feel like you were totally fixed yet or totally whole yet. You're just getting yeah. the old, but God used you anyway. You still took steps of faith. You didn't have to wait till you had it perfect. Am I right? Yeah, and I think that's a key I was sharing with uh, in the seminar here today. Sure. But, you know, we have a tendency, if we're not careful, to keep young people um, in eternal apprenticeship. Talk to us about that. And, you know, another course and another course and another course yes. and never quite get released. But I think I've learned this at a conference with you as well, or increased a few years ago when we had a wonderful mission person right. chair on movements right. out of, uh, you, you know, the story, yeah. uh, how movements went um, through that part of um, New Guinea and then right, Indonesia right. and those areas. And um, I remember a thing he mentioned there that resonated because we'd live with it, that you have church planning movements uh, or works, but then you have these movements that break... Yeah. Just like one in Madagascar at the moment and other right. places where it just happens. Yeah. Someone gets saved and yeah. starts something in their home or their factory floor or something. Yes. And next week, that person who got saved is doing it likewise with their friends. Exactly. So you haven't got time to train them or raise them up. So training is almost catch up. And I think somewhere in the middle of that is a great place to kind of live. So good. Because, I, you know, we went through times in building churches where we had people um 
like eldership in training and sometimes they'd almost be retired before they got through training. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Although someone had to die before they could <laughs> right. become an elder. Exactly. But we realize when there's a touch of revival, just the smell of it, yes. then things happen quick and God uses the imperfect That's right. while he's working in us. That's so good. But uh, I learned out of some other people who've worked in China and other places like that, that discipleship is really not having to follow the lead duck. Right. But you, for, with a mother duck and the ducklings, yes. most ducklings just follow the duckling in front of them. Right. Only one's following the mother. Right. So we realize to take someone to where you are, you've only got to go to where the next duckling is and keep them coming. Just call out the mother duck theory. Yeah. That, it works, <laughs> yeah, it? it does work, That's you see. really good. And so we embrace that. And so we release uh, people. I remember in Signs and Wonders preaching outside Victoria Railway Station on the street at peak hour. Traffic everywhere. It's huge. If you've been to London, it's a huge sure. station area. And I'd taken a, a person that we were discipling up there, put him out there, said, now preach. And he started to preach and wanted to see miracles. And he finished and nothing happened. So he came back to me and said, what do I do now? Nothing happened. So I thought to myself, oh, Lord, you know, I don't want to quench him in any way. <laughs> so I said, I'll believe with you. Go and do it one more time. So he goes out there, begins to preach. A business lady walks right across Victoria Station. There's a little yeah. island in front of it. Walks right across, right in front of him. Sure. F- goes flat out on the ground oh in a business suit, yeah. crying and weeping. Stands up and says, I feel totally free. Wow. I'm clean. Wow. And went and got a train. And so the next time, in just trusting him to do it, he went on into so-called full-time ministry after that. But he'd only been saved a short while. But God just demonstrated his power through him with all his imperfections, you know. That is amazing. But I think I saw very early that the story is just, the Bible is just the story of imperfect people doing crazy things for a perfect, wonderful God, you know, and he changes on the way. Exactly. All right, talk to us more. You went, eventually, you ended up in South Africa, right? Not to live. Not to live. But um, once we started, what has now become Church of the Nations, then it was all under different names. Yes, and this is is a family of churches located in many nations all over the world, many continents. Yeah, yeah, well, most continents and probably got apostolic influence out into close to 50 nations or something. So um, when that began to happen and it began to break loose, there was a man in South Africa who was a Methodist lay preacher, ran a carpet business, heard an American who I got very close with later uh, preach a message uh, on rediscovering church or discovering church in a new way. Okay. So this is now nearly 40 years ago, It'll be f- and um, well, more than that, when he heard that message. So he took sabbatical from his business and wanted to come on a journey to find out what is church going to look like in this new move of God, you know. We're talking now still just in right around 79, 80. All, okay. Everything else happened in the first 10 years of my life, right, really. Right. All that, everything, from getting married to that yeah. point was all in 10 years. And so he um, was very uh, challenged. But someone said to him before he left South Africa, uh, said that um, if you're not going to find what you're looking for till you meet a guy called Tony Fitzgerald. Wow. And we had one little work going, but this guy had somehow heard of us somehow. 
So this guy eventually went to Tulsa, went across all the watering holes, you know, yeah. coming across America. Eventually got to England, checked into a DTS. We were running a men's meeting at a little pizza restaurant. He came in and said, my name's so-and-so. Are you Tony Fitzgerald? I said, yes. And I taught at his DTS as well. And then he moved in, he and his wife and one child moved sure. in to live with Marilyn and I for nearly two months. And they went back to South Africa and we wrote a book, uh, he wrote a book and I, I with him on rediscovering church. Okay. So he said, when I get back to South Africa, when I get someone with me, we'll send for you. So a few months later, he called me. So I got another couple with me and his carpet business flew us out. And we, that was oh. the beginning in South Africa. He was in a, in a house at a big upstairs. You could get 70 people in. And we did two weeks meetings and left a group of about 50 or 60 people at wow. the end. That became the foundation of everything we've done in South Africa. That's and, amazing. And that's our biggest area. I made the assumption you actually lived there, but you, you no. visited it so many times. Yeah, I've been there two, been three there. times a year for... Sure. Uh, well, that church has started out of that. It'll be their 40th anniversary next week uh, next year and that's where we saw so much happen we started in a little school uh in a uh, having a little school in their kitchen this couple eventually we got there got a campus built there's nearly 700 students on that campus now and we can trace in their statement not mine but out of that planting nearly 5,000 christian schools that started through africa out of that one seed that is amazing so yeah, that's that's. I'll be out there ministering next year and for for their well, celebration. That sounds like another leadership principle, or leadership reality. That is, you sow a seed, you do something new, whether it's in whatever kingdom realm it is, whether it's kingdom business, whether it's church, whatever. You sow a seed, you do it with the grace God gives you, and you expect it to multiply, and you see it multiply. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think a leadership principle we learned in that is, you know, that. Everything in the kingdom is a seed. Yes. You don't plant a tree. You plant a seed and it becomes a tree. That's good. And so we learned that early. You know, we were flawed in so many ways. We knew the treasure was in earthen vessels. We were cracked. You know, (laughs) we we leaked. And, um, you know, I'm not one of those people that could say, if I had my life to live over again, I'd do everything the same. There's lots of things I would (laughs) do differently. You and I both agree on that. Lots of things, you know. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't always work and my character, you know, developed as you went. But I always had one goal in my heart was a a prayer that, God, you wouldn't let my gifting develop quicker than my character. Because I saw some areas in my life where Mm -hmm. it got ahead of it in the other way. And I think a principle is, you know, don't let leadership gifting get ahead of development of character that is a great on whatever great level statement yeah, yeah that's very good so <clears throat> now today we fast forward today of course you're living in richmond virginia today i mean you still i've, I've met you in airports and airplanes and, <laughs> you know, we've seen you in different <laughs> parts places. of the world crazy places uh talk about now that you're much older than you were back then and of course learned a lot over these years as you look back now, what are some things you would want young leaders to, to think about to take into account as they are f- fulfilling their call on leadership? What would have you done different, maybe, in some mm. ways? I think one thing, and you, you sometimes only get that when you get on, on a little bit, but I think we made a, for us, it came out of the 60s into the 70s sure. in that time. You live with a kind of almost a, a position 
where you almost believe Christianity started when you got your revelation. Okay, that's good. You know, in yeah. other words, this new thing. Yeah. So I think one of the great principles I've learned is more real to me today than ever is how to draw on treasures both old and new. Talk about that. Because I saw that God doesn't so much, and I use this now in training our leaders, that God doesn't so much move on from, he builds upon, is okay. a phrase I just felt in the spirit. I like that, I like that. So I had to learn how to draw from treasures both old and new. So in my Salvation Army upbringing, I honor it everywhere I go. For years, whenever the opportunity, if there's a Salvation Army officer in the town where I was, I'd go and meet him and bless him and share with him a bit on the journey I, because I met the Lord there. Yeah. When I was 17, 18 years yeah. old, I had yeah. cancer, and that's when I first began to understand the kingdom and yeah. truly met the Lord or understand the kingdom side of sure. knowing the Lord. And it was precious people in that that's right. church that took me through that, that's stood right. with me, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. Marilyn was my girlfriend then at 16 years old and was there by my bed. I was in hospital in and out for nine months. Wow. And so even in recent years, the little core, as they call mm-hmm. it, the Salvation Army is closed down now in, in our town. But up to just a few years ago, whenever we'd be back to visit Marilyn's family on the island where they were still living, on Sunday, I'd go back there. I'd get there early. I, I would meet That's on the door so when everyone cool. arrived. I'd greet them, welcome them, and thank them for who they were in my life. Wow. Come on, been there for old now, you wow. know. It's the only place I could go to where I was almost the youngest person there <laughs> <laughs> in recent years. So you've learned to honor whom God used in your life in the past, even yeah. though they didn't do it perfectly, none of us do. But you learned to honor, really, your spiritual fathers and mothers, yeah. those who helped you, and that's been a key. I, I agree. One man of God once said that the seed of destruction or blessing is in the first meeting of something new. Yep. So if you can bless, it was perfect. Yeah, that's, bless that's a great those statement. Bless that, that helped you thus far. Again, we're, we're all, you said it well, we're all crack pots. You yeah. know, we're all, <laughs> Christ lives, yeah. in, lives in us in these earthen vessels. So if we can honor that, that's huge. Because, you know, whatever we sow, we're going to reap. We're going to reap. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I think, the main thing I've learned in leadership is never hold a grudge. I that's learned good. a thing from... Operation, no, not Operation Mobilization. Um, no, Bill Bright, a Campus Crusade, yeah, I think, in one sure. of their very early books on okay. disciples are made, not born, or something. Okay. okay. And there was a phrase in there that I took to my life very early in ministry. And it was, I will never let another man ruin my life by making him hate me. Wow. By, by making me hate him. Me hate him, okay. Yeah. yeah. And so I always live with believing no one ever got up one morning thinking, how am I going to hurt Tony or am right. I going to hurt Larry or something? Sure. It just happens in the journey of life. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know anyone in the world that I couldn't, if I saw them, couldn't put my arms around sure. them and, and love them. Yeah. And I learned to love even before you liked, you yeah. know. So it has to do with forgiveness and speaking blessing, and yeah. living a life free of offense, uh, dealing with unmet expectations properly, because yeah. we all have them. I mean, we expect people to respond a certain way to us. Yeah. So you found that was key in leadership. Well, I'm sure I've hurt more people than have hurt me. That's a great statement. Even that. unintentionally. Probably, I know, and probably all of us without even knowing it. Yeah, yeah. without even knowing it. And so, you know, I realize it's so easy as a leader to become a legend in your own mind if you're right. not careful. Right. <laughs> you know? And um, 
I realize, you know, uh, John Avancini, who's a, a, a preacher here in America, a teacher, and I trust I'm sure. quoting him correct. I listened to his series over and over sure. when I was on sabbatical one yeah. time on finances. Yeah. Got tremendous insight in the economic things. But he just made a statement, one statement that stuck with me all the time because we went from that to that's when we came to America to live. So that's, you know, 27 years ago sure. now. So all that time I've carried this very much, taught on the lot, and um, it was this, that one of the w problems we have in kingdom life as leaders is we embrace the terminology of the kingdom. Then we go to the world, the dictionary of the world, to find out what we mean. Uh -huh. And that changed my life. Explain it, that. Explain well, how that changed your life. If I could, say, you know, just say the word success. Yeah. You know, when I look at a lot of what goes on in Christianity, success is measured. Mm -hmm. It's not mentioned much in the Bible, the word success, but mm -hmm. the influence and all that. Sure. God wants us fruitful, successful in that right, way. Right. But if you, um, if you look at uh, the, the journey that God takes us on, if you hear the word success, when I look at a lot of Christian leadership and life and not judging it, but I realize success for them is just what the world is for right. success. Right. How do I get the top of the ladder? How do I get more people in my church? How do I do right. more? How am I look more successful? Sure. But God taught us about fathers and sons and Hebrew mentality rather than Greek mentality of understanding church life, building from relationship to structure rather than the other way around. And that's the difference between Hebrew and Greek. Greek mentality, mentality. largely there. Yep. I'm not talking about methodology, right. just in philosophy of thought. Mm -hmm. Everything with God and the Hebrew people started with fathers. It that's didn't right. start with courts. And that's right. It started with um, verbs, not mm -hmm. nouns. It started mm -hmm. with uh, action, not concepts, True. all of that that we teach on. But it was, um, I realized so much. You know, I was being interviewed by someone in Texas one time. He was doing a thesis, I think, on church leadership and, and knowing about us. And he was interviewing me, and uh, he asked me a question right near the end. And he said, what would you, you – you've got several networks within your network. You're in many nations. Right. Except, what would you put down as your number one key to success? And i never been asked before. It's, it shook me, stunned me. I, I didn't say anything for a moment. Then he looked at me, and then I said this, not in any way. I mean, it's very sincere in my heart. I said, look, honestly, I don't see myself successful. Right. I just see myself as, as obedient. Right, right. I, God called us to do something. Marilyn and I, we often hold hands and look at one another and say, why us, Lord? Right. There's plenty of people that prayed better, preached you, better, were holier you. than us. I were more, you. <laughs> you know, why us? And we always come back because one time we said to God, anywhere, anytime, any place, we're available. Yeah. And we just realized God can do something with availability That's that good. he can't even do with spirituality. That's good. Because yeah. you can be the most spiritual person in the world, but not available right. to God. Right, right, And so I just learned it's his kingdom. He'll build his church. Sure. You know, it's, it's about him. It's seed. Um, I, I learned from the parable of the sower. You've heard me teach much on mm -hmm. kingdom things, but not to get into that today. But on the, the kingdom of the wheat and the tares, right. I learned that the greatest goal anyone can have in their life is to become seed. Right. Because the Bible said the seed are the sons of the kingdom and God sows them where he will.
And I have just always said to God, Marilyn has wherever you want to sow this seed, sow it. That's yeah. fine. If you don't want to, we'll play golf. It's fine. <laughs> or whatever, or try to. But you know what I mean? It's I like do. I've never felt pressured in ministry that way. Good. Good. Yeah. But Tony, you know, you have been uh, you know, a mentor to me in so many ways over so many years. I've learned so much from you. Uh, and one reason I'm doing this leadership podcast, honestly, is because I have opportunity to sit with people like you. We've we've had hundreds of discussions already, you know, in yes. different parts of the world, and I get to do this with various leaders in the body of Christ. And I wanna I wanna share that with other younger leaders and potential leaders, and you know. What makes Tony tick? And we're hearing some of that today, and that's why I appreciate you opening mm. your heart so much to me today. Uh, is there any other leadership concepts? You know, we'll close here in just a moment, but any other leadership concepts, anything you think, here's something I really want young people to understand or young leaders or potential leaders to understand, things that have helped you over the years? Yeah, this would be a principle for all people, but particularly leaders. I would say there's three questions you need to be able to answer. Okay, what are they? And we say it, the who's, who, and whom. Okay, talk about Who's that. are you? Okay. Who are you? And to whom are you joined? Okay, talk a bit more about that. Because I realized until I knew that I was a son of God and mm-hmm. he was my father, and I got that father issue settled, right. that I could go to bed at night and God wasn't judging me on whether I did good or bad today. Right. Right. He might want to correct it as right. a good dad. Right. But my acceptance in him was unconditional as a father. Right. So once I knew whose I was, mm-hmm. I could really find much clearer who I was. Okay. And therefore, I had nothing then to prove. You see, once you know whose you are, then who you are is easy because God makes you who you are. That's right. And it's only according to his grace and mercy on yeah, your life so anyhow. True, so, true. so I'm not trying to become someone he doesn't want me to be. I don't... I can't say, except someone like you, I could maybe be the exception. But I don't look at anyone in the world and say, I wish I was like them. I'm not you the know? exception, no, I can assure you. No, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I, you know, I've learned so much from you, Larry, on the journey of life. It's just been a friendship and We've a mentoring. We've learned so much together. This way as well. We've... But you're older and wiser than I am, so I still glean from <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, not many years. <laughs> but um, so knowing whose I was, I never, like it, it almost sounds strange, but I don't have to preach or teach yeah i love to i get the same i get the same feeling i don't I have to that. the father said that. okay it's time now yeah rest it's not gonna i'm not gonna lose my identity my right. identity is not in who i am it's yeah. in whose i am that's right and that's where jesus his identity was yeah it was in whose he was yeah like after 30 years of preparation yeah you heard the father say this is my beloved son not this is my beloved apostle, or this is my exactly, beloved pastor, exactly. or not even this is my beloved leader. That is so good. He said, this is my beloved son. So my goal is to be the best son I can be, and then yeah. father the best I can be. Yeah. So that's the journey that then, to whom am I joined? Yeah. I'd say to every young leader, um, don't venture too far without knowing who God's put in your life as a spiritual father. Yeah particularly as an apostolic father, but also shepherding father. Right. Which well, may what's be, the difference? Well, for many people, no difference at all. Uh, often, many people I father, their apostolic line, I'm also their right. shepherding father. But there are other people who've got real shepherding fathers in their life, people who led them to the Lord, sure. have journeyed life with them. But apostolically, they align with me right. or with you or whoever, sure. but may not see... If the wheels were coming off their life, they may go to that shepherding right, father. Right. And that doesn't cause any offense or difficulty right. for me as long as communication is open. 
um, because once you know whose you are in alignment, that's why we live our life out of father-son relationships yeah. now. It's, um, it's a very special thing because I think one of the probably fundamental foundations that God put us in, in us right back those 40 years ago and as a leadership principle is always build from relationship to structure. Don't right. build from structure to relationship yes, right. mm-hmm. because you'll end up having to keep a machine going mm-hmm. rather than just relationships going. Right, right. And, um, yeah, so we've traveled, uh, you know, the journey. I've been blessed to have a wife that felt the call as well and exactly. travel it together. Exactly. We trained to be Salvation Army officers, both of us individually. Not We were married, but you, sure. both get trained, not just the man or the right, woman. Right. So, you know, we, we traveled that, that path. And uh, the mission organizations I was connected with and where we went, see it all that the same way anyhow. So, um, yeah, know whose you are, find out who you are, and get joined to know to whom you join this is whole, a fundamental thing of life. This whole leadership podcast is worth just listening to those three truths. That is so good. Tony, it was a great joy to connect with you here today, and I believe many, many, many leaders and potential leaders for the future will be blessed and grow because of the things you're willing to open up your heart and share from your life. I mean, you're not just talking about concepts, principles. You're talking about your life. You're sharing these things happen to me, and and this is what I did right and what I did wrong. I always love your transparency and your honesty and your openness. So thank you for joining us for the podcast today. Pleasure. Great to be on. Great. And, and thanks, Larry. You're very, very Mara and I love you and Laverne. And well, we know that. It's and, wonderful. And it's, it's, it's a mutual deal. Um, so thank you, everyone, for joining us today for this conversation on leadership. Find those small things we can change, in some cases big things, but often smaller things that can make a huge difference in the lives of many people because we're becoming the kingdom leaders, the Jesus leaders that he's called us to be. So thanks again for joining the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast, and we look forward to many Many future conversations about leadership with many leaders that God's raised up in our generation. We're born to grow, we're born to learn, and together we're going to see God build His kingdom among us. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com. 